At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. For many years, many have asked the question, what if God was one of us? Through the incarnation of Jesus, God answered that question, and Jesus became one of us. Every year for centuries, Christians have celebrated the miracle of Jesus' birth. This Christmas season, we're diving into a new series, Emmanuel, God with us. Learning how the arrival of Jesus Christ changes everything. He came to save us, a broken and crooked world, a fallen people. Join us this Christmas as we explore the miracle of Jesus' incarnation and the impact it still has on us. This is it. This is Christmas Eve, and uh, we've been in a sermon series that we're wrapping up today. Y'all, it's pretty funny. Christmas Eve wrapping up. Get it? <laughs> you see, see what I did there? No, we are wrapping up our sermon series today called Emmanuel, which in the Hebrew means God with us. This is a series where we've been talking about what happened when God sent his son Jesus to be with us. Let's take our Bibles and open up to the book of Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7 is where we're going to be. So here's what Paul would often do. What Paul would do is he would go into a region and he would start a church. And once he got that church planted, he would then move on down the road. But oftentimes, once he would move down the road, he would write letters of encouragement back to the church that he was just at to encourage them, to to motivate them, to talk about what it means to live out our faith Together, And so this is a letter that he's writing to this church in the area of Galatia. If you look at a map and you see where Europe and Asia come together, where Europe and Asia come together, that would be modern-day Turkey, right? Turkey's kind of like this gateway between Europe and Asia. That's where the church is that he's writing to. And so he's writing specifically to how you can find true and lasting freedom in Christ Jesus. Before I go any further, I want to do something. I talked just a little bit ago about how we all have traditions. All of us. Your family has traditions. My family has, like, we all have traditions. And I love whenever I get to listen in on how people do things. So for the rest of the day, we have people who are eating Mediterranean, people who are opening presents. We have everybody doing all kinds of things today. And then tomorrow, you're like, well, I'm going to do family tomorrow, or I'm going to do this in the morning. You have your rhythms. You have your patterns. I want you to think about the traditions that you have as a family when it comes to Christmas Eve and Christmas specifically. Now think about your favorite. Your favorite of all your Christmas Eve and Christmas traditions. Think about your favorite tradition. Now what I want you to do is make eye contact with someone next to you who doesn't already know your answer. That's even better. Make eye contact with someone next to you. We're not gonna leave anyone out. So if you see someone like one of these kids are doing their own, okay, bring them into your circle. You can have three. It's legal to have three. We're going to take about 60 seconds or so just to share your favorite Christmas tradition. What is your favorite tradition? And go. You're not playing. Why aren't you playing? You can't not play. Sue, make him play.
one. All right. You know, some of you forget that I can see you from up here, and so you try not to play, or you take that two or three, and it turns into a group of six, like I see when it turns into a group of six, and you're just having your own little party. So we do have rhythms in our lives, right? That's the whole point. We have rhythms in our lives. We have things that we do where we know what to expect. We know what's coming next. That's the same with Paul. So Paul would go into an area. He would start this church. He already knew what to expect. Once this church is healthy enough and we have some elders in place, we have some pastors in place, we have some leaders in place and this church is functioning, he then, his goal was, I'm going to go down the road and I'm going to start another church, but I don't want to forget about that church. I still want to love and care for that church. These are brothers and sisters in Christ. And so what he would do then is he would write these letters of encouragement. And so that's what he's doing in today's text as he's talking about finding true and lasting freedom in Jesus. Galatians chapter four, starting in verse number one. He says this, he says, I mean that the heir, as long as he's a child, is no different from a slave. Though he is the owner of everything, but is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. So I want you to think about, when it comes to the world, I want you to think about that person that you would say, that person's got wealth. You know, that's a wealthy person. Right? Back in the day, it's going to show my age a little bit. But when you'd ask that question, the answer was always Oprah or Bill Gates. Like, it was one of the two, you know, and probably Bill Gates because he has a trampoline room. And if you got a trampoline room in your house, like, you got, you got something. Like, if you've got so much money, you need a trampoline room. By the way, if you have a trampoline room, I'm going to be in the lobby by the cookies following the service. Like, come talk to me because, like, I've never seen a trampoline room in a house, and I'd love just to come hang out and bounce on the trampoline for a while. That'd be pretty awesome. Be good. So when I blow my meniscus or whatever, I promise not to call you out from the front. It's going to be great. So do invite me over. It's going to be fun. Anyway, Bill Gates, I think he had, and I know I'm not like a Bill Gates expert, but I think he's got like three kids or something. And I would assume I've never seen his will. Like, I don't know what he wrote or didn't write in there, but you would think that his kids would be the heir to everything that is his, right? So, so that comes with some prestige. That comes with some power. That comes with some influence, but that's not what Paul said. Look again what he said. He said, the heir, as long as he's a child, is no different from a slave. In other words, when you're six years old, you don't have the power to decide what's going to happen to trampoline room. You can't sell the trampoline room. You don't have one day, not two day, but one day you'll have all of that. One day, all of that stuff, all of that wealth, all that decision-making ability, all that will be yours, but not today. Today, you're no different than a slave. You don't have any power. You don't have any authority. You don't have any say. You don't get to decide what happens. He goes on in verse two to say that that heir is under guardians and a manager until the date set by his father, who also, by the way, they don't have power. They don't have authority. It's kind of like this. Last night, maybe some of you had Christmas parties last night or the night before, and you're like, man, this is the last one. Like, it's been a long stream of parties. We got to call the babysitter over, and the babysitter comes over to watch the kids, right? That babysitter doesn't have the authority. They don't have power. They can't get on Facebook Marketplace to sell off your TV to make some extra cash real quick. Like, they don't, they don't have that power. They can't look at the kids and say, well, you see all those presents under the tree? If you're really good, you can open three tonight. You know, if you're, re- that's not going to fly, 
right? That is a no-go. That's not acceptable. That's not okay because that babysitter doesn't hold the authority. They don't hold the power. They're caretakers for a little bit of your kids. Your kids at six years old, they don't have the power. They don't have the authority. Paul would say they're no different than slaves at this point. In verse three, he says, in the same way, we also. So now he shifts. He shifts from this illustration that he's been using to make this real personal. We also, when we were children, spiritual children is what he's talking about here. We were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. So before faith in Christ, we were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. So this year is about to come to a close. Now, for some of you, you look at 2023 and you're going, man, best year ever. Like literally one of the best years I've ever experienced in my life. It was so good. Like it was just awesome. I have loved this year. I've experienced and grown in ways that I just never thought possible. I have loved this year. Others of you, you would say, nope, did not love 2023. No, thank you. Just over a week and we get to hit reset. We get another shot, right? We're going to get a redo. We're going to go on to 2024, and it's a whole new world, right? It's going to be a new thing. We're going to try this again, because you're looking, going, there were some areas that I'm not satisfied. In fact, you would look at your money. We just talked about money, and you would say, man, my savings account isn't where I want it to be. My portfolio isn't what I want it to be, and I just feel like I'm so behind in life, and I'm so frustrated that my money stuff hasn't worked out this year like how I want it to work out, and so much of your success or your failure in life is based on where you are financially. Others, you're going, I really don't care that much about my finances. Like, whatever, I have money, I don't have money, I really don't care. I care about my relationships. And so when there's tension in the relationships, man, that just eats at me. Then this year, there have been some tense relationships or that person didn't like me or that person said this on social media about me or that person at work or that person in my family. And it has just been brutal for me this year based on what's happening relationally. And others, you're like, well, I really don't care about money and relationships come and go, but, but it's about achieving. And so in school and your sports at work, you're like, if I didn't get that plaque on the wall this year, man, then what was the point of this year? You know, if, I, if I didn't get that plaque, if I didn't get that thing, if my work didn't advance, if I didn't grow my business, then, then what am I, I really doing? Like, what is the whole point of this thing? And here's the thing. When you look at your money, when you look at your relationships, when you look at your work, these are good things. Don't make them God things. They're, they're real good things. There's nothing wrong with any of these items. They're areas where God can be glorified in your life, but they're not eternal. They're earthly. They're not eternal. Does that make sense? And sometimes I think that's what we do is we put so much emphasis in these areas that we make these above God in our life. We make these idols in our life. And these are exactly the items that Paul's talking about when he talks about being enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. Look down at verse four. He says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law. So Paul says, when you're an heir, you're no different than a slave until, until, until that time has come that the father has set, until 
Christ has come into our lives, we're not going to experience freedom. But he says in verse four, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law. Here's what Paul said. He's writing this letter. You picturing this? He's moved down the road. He's writing this letter to this church in Galatia. And as he's writing, he says, Christmas. Hey, brothers and sisters, don't forget Christmas. You want to know what this escape from this slavery is? It's, it's, it's Christmas. I don't mean December 25th. I mean Christmas. I mean the coming of the baby to the manger, the coming of our Lord, born of woman, born under the law. Why is that important? Because he's just like us. He's just like us. He emptied himself and came to this earth on our behalf. Verse 5 shares why Paul says, here's why God sent a son, to redeem those who are under the law. Now, maybe you come in here Sunday in, Sunday out, and you're like, you know, some of these church words just, you know, just fly right over the top of my head. Like, I try to keep up, and I try to pay attention, but sometimes I just don't get some of the words. This is the one time a year that I think this particular text is really going to just be seared on your heart. I think it's going to make a lot of sense because we understand redeem. How many of you, you have stockings hanging up? Raise your hands. Most. Most have stockings hanging up. Some of you, they're decorative only. That's weird. Cut it out. But that's what some of you do. Some of you are like, we hang the stockings next to the chimney, but we don't put anything in it. Everyone else, you're going to put stuff in it. And so it's almost like in the morning, in the morning when everyone wakes up, you're going to look at the stocking, you're going to be like, oh, I forgot about the stocking, but there's the stocking, you know, and you're going to go to the stocking, you're going to start pulling stuff out and you're going to be like, oh, a candy, I don't even like candy canes, you know, you're going to go an avocado, thanks, you know, and you're going through it and as you're digging through, for some of you, you're going to dig through and you're going to be like, oh, I got a gift card. I got me a Tim Horton gift card. Come on now, right? You're like, Tim, go and get me some coffee. That's what I'm going to do. We're going to skip the donuts. New Year's is coming. We're going to work on it, right? And so we're going with the coffee. So just some black coffee. That's what we're going to do. And then you're going to keep digging. You're going to go, some of you, not me, but some of you are going to go, Ulta, some skincare. Okay, you know, you're going to be all jazzed about. Like you're going to be so fired up that you got you an Ulta gift card. Here's what then is going to happen the next week. As we go into next week and all the sales are happening, you're like, this is the time to use my card right here, right now. So you're going to take that Tim Horton card and you're going to go, I want me that big old, big old black coffee is what I want. And you're going to smack that plastic card down and they're just going to give you free coffee. You didn't, you didn't have to pay for it, did you? You give them that card, they give you coffee. It's like the coolest thing. But see, here's the thing that you know, because you're, you're smart, you know how this works. Someone paid for the coffee. Someone had to pay. You got to redeem the card, right? You got to redeem it, but someone had to pay. That's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying our redemption is coming from the love of God for us through Jesus. We are redeemed. This would have been a concept that would have been really understood in the first century. Because in the first century, in the Roman Empire, slavery was rampant, but not like slavery, like American slavery. This was more like indentured servitude. In other words, I have a lot of debt, and I can't pay off my debt by myself, so I'm just going to just give myself into slavery to work off this debt. But what you could do, it didn't mean you were a slave forever. It meant you could start working, and you could start saving up. You could save up, you could save up, and you could ransom yourself out of slavery. 
You could redeem yourself out of slavery. So here's what Paul is saying. He's saying it's through Jesus that we're redeemed, not by what we can do. The Bible says it's by grace that you're saved through faith, not by works so that no one can boast. It's not what you can do because sometimes I think we fall into this trap of thinking, okay, I know that there's sin in my life and that sin causes a divide between me and God. So 2024, I'm going to be better. You know, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I am going to do this. I am going to do that. And we start to try to be more good stuff than bad stuff. And that's how we try and negotiate it in our lives. And Paul has said, no, that's not how you get the right standing with God. That's not how you're redeemed. That's not how you're purchased out of slavery. It's through Christ. It's through the work of Jesus on the cross. Jesus went to the cross to break the enslavement of sin. He lived the perfect and sinless life. He became the perfect substitute for our sin. That's what happened on the cross. And the Bible says this. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you're saved that you're rescued, that you're redeemed. That's how you get the right standing with God. It's, it's Christmas. That's what Paul's trying to say. It's Christmas. So I want you to think as we were sharing your favorite part, some of you said the presents under the tree. Like we love opening the presents. You know, some of you, it's chaos. One, two, three, everybody open presents. Others, you take turns. I just want you to think about all the boxes under the tree. The most incredible present that we have ever received or ever will receive it's redemption through Christ Jesus, and it is a free gift. It's nothing that you or I earn. It's nothing we deserve. He finishes with this in verse 5 through 7. He says, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of a son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So I have to ask, have you placed your faith in Jesus as Lord? I mean, we're talking about the ultimate Christmas now. Have you placed your faith in Jesus as Lord? We've talked about the word redeem. Now we're going to talk about adoption. Adoption means this. It means all of a sudden when you place your faith in Jesus as Lord and you think about Christmas, we're not looking at God as a babysitter who drops in a couple times a year. That's not our relationship with God. We don't look at God as like that second cousin that we only see at Christmas. We're not looking at God like that. Like, mm, I really don't know you, but once a year I'm going to bring you up. I'm going to decorate the tree. We're going to say something about Luke 2, and then we're going to go on with our day of opening presents. No, there's this relationship that Paul says we go to God and we call him Abba, Father. It's intimate and it's personal. It's a freedom that we have in him. Not just a freedom for eternity, but you have a freedom now. And this is something that some of you need to hear. Because earlier when I was talking about those three things, right? Some of you, you know, you chase your finances or you chase work or you chase relationships. And the reality is some of you, you've taken a beat down this year, haven't you? It's been a hard year. It's been tough. And all of a sudden you look in the mirror and you start to speak things about yourself that's just a lie. You start to say things to yourself like, well, I, I'm just not good enough. I just don't measure up. I, I'm just that short. Right there, I'm almost there. I'm almost loved. I'm almost. I just need to try harder and do better. Pay attention to your identity in Christ. 
Your identity in Christ is redeemed. Your identity in Christ is adopted, a full son or daughter of the Most High. You are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. You are loved. You are free. I don't mean you will be. I mean, you are free. Today, you are free. You are filled with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. You're not praying to some void out there. In fact, there are times where you don't even know what to pray, and the Spirit is praying on your behalf. That's the truth of who you are. And so I think for some of us, today is just a reminder of the power of Christmas. We need reminded of the fact that it all started, all of this started, the power of the empty tomb, the power of the cross started back with a manger, didn't it? Back with a manger on that silent, holy night. I want you to picture that night. I want you to picture the angels announcing there's a baby who's going to be born. The shepherds who are keeping watch, who all of a sudden they start to work their way there. The animals, the sounds, the smells of the animals, it was real. I think sometimes we create this like a storybook picture in our mind, and yet it was gritty. It was earthy. You know, we like that no crying he makes part of the song, but Jesus was probably hungry. There was probably lots of noise that night. The sounds of Jesus coming into the world, I mean, this... This is Jesus emptying himself, taking on flesh, Emmanuel, and dwelling among us. Of doing the most unthinkable of tasks so that you and I could be free. Mark says it like this. It says, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a what? To give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to give his life as a ransom for many, for you and for me. And so this Christmas, as you think about all your traditions, you think about everything you do, my hope is, is at some point today, at some point tomorrow, you are very intentional at pausing just to say, thank you, Jesus. Merry Christmas. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for who you are, the great things you have done, that you are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. You are the author and perfecter of our salvation. Lord, we believe that through you all things were made. There hasn't been anything made that didn't come from your hands. Lord, we thank you for the hope, for the freedom, for the comfort, for the peace that we have in Christ. We thank you for the gift of the Spirit that continues to indwell us and direct us and guide us. We thank you for the mission and purpose that you've called us to, to know you and to make you known. Lord, what a gift of today. What a gift to be able to pause as a church family, as friends, to remember, to remember the power of Christmas. Lord, I can't help but wonder what went through Paul's mind as he was writing about the power of the manger. this moment that we can't ever forget. Because Lord, I think sometimes when we think about a Messiah, when we think about a king, we think about strength. We think about 
power. We think about armies and chariots. At least I do. And yet through humility, through humility, through meekness, through mildness, through gentleness, through love, through compassion, Lord, you took on flesh and you dwelt among us. I am in awe of the love that you continue to pour out on us. Lord, if there's anyone who hasn't placed their faith and hope in Jesus as Lord, I can't think of anything more powerful to happen at Christmas than a surrender to you. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.